All right, and welcome to Dragon's Oldcast. I don't know what number this is, but it doesn't matter. I'm going to make this sort of an emergency podcast. I do have the uh, draft uh, episode sort of on the back burner. It is there. I just need to get it uploaded. Um, but I wanted to discuss the two trades that uh, the Dragons have made. Um, you know, it's kind of refreshing to see <laughs> so much action in the trade market. And I think this is at least third, if not fourth trade that Tatsunami has made since he became manager. Now, obviously, during the season, we had Ryota Ishioka go to the Oryx Buffaloes to get uh, Shinta Godo back. But uh, now we're seeing, um, I guess, less periphery moves and more sort of central moves. So a couple of days ago, we had Hideaki, Hideaki Wakui come to the Dragons for Toshiki Abe going to the Tokurakuten Eagles. And today... Um, as of recording, is we've had news that Yota Kyoda has been traded for uh, Yoshiki Sunada of the uh, Yokohama Bay Stars. So these are two very interesting trades. We've had two of our middle infielders who have played probably close to 250 games between them over the last three years um, have gone over yeah have left the team so this is um really quite intriguing um so I'll, I'll, i want to take some time to sort of break these trades down a little bit because i think for a lot of people on the surface both of these trades don't make a lot of sense um but you know going into it we can uh have a bit of a bit of a i don't know a guess or a bit of a feel around as to why these things may have happened um and i think it largely comes down to tatsunami um, wanting to stomp his authority on the team or, you know, build this culture that he's trying to do after having his first year in charge. So he's trying to make that next step forward um, in rebuilding the team and his image. So I think these sort of trades needed to happen so he can sort of make it into his team. And I think we're starting to see that more and more. Um, getting rid of two... Veteran infielders is an interesting move, um, particularly seeing as how I think under Yoda, both Kyoda and Abe were regular starters in the middle infield from 2017 to 2000, well, not 2017, that's too early, 2019 to 2022, 21. <laughs> anyway, um, so it's interesting that these two have been kicked out. So let's start off with the first trade, which was Abe for Wakui. Now, for those that don't know, Hideaki Wakui is a, um, a starting pitcher. He's now 36 years old, but he was previously a uh, Sawamura award-winning uh, starter for the Sabre Lions back in early in his career. I think that was 2004. Uh, no, no, it was a bit later than that, maybe 2008. Mm, something like that. Anyway, around that time, <laughs> in the mid to the mid 2000s. He picked up a Sawamura award. Um, he has bounced around quite a bit. Um, this is the second time in his career that he's been traded. He uh, went from the Sabre Lions to the Chiba Lotte Marines, where he had a lot of success there. And interesting enough, that's where he met Eiji Ochiai, our current pitching coach. Then he moved to the Tohoku Rakuten Eagles, and that was through a trade. And he was one of their, I guess, key contributors in his first year there, when they were trying to put together their, a new staff under, I guess, his former, I think it was his former teammate, actually, in uh, Kazuhisa Ishii. And uh, that's the, it's sort of come off the rails a little bit for Wakui in the last couple of years. So last year, he only made 10 starts, but still had a 3.5 ERA or so. The year before that was more like a 5.3 ERA over about 20 starts. So it was not a great year for him in 2021. But this year was sort of a bounce back year, but not that much we can read into. But essentially, this is a man of great pedigree. Now, um, does this tip the scales too much for the Dragons' rotation? And, well, not really. But, um, you know, to have someone of Wakui's stature and uh, presence to sort of fill out the back of the rotation, I think this makes the Dragons' rotation incredibly strong. So, um, obviously, we've basically got a, a starting six more or less decided now. Now, the sixth rotation spot, the way I looked at it previously, was it was going to be sort of rotational. So, you know, someone like Koji Fukutani might get 
you know, a run of five starts, see how he goes. And if he's not doing well, then we bring up Akiyoshi Katsuno. And if Katsuno's not quite biting, biting, not quite uh, hitting his stride, then maybe we can bring in Rea Nakachi or, you know, um, whatever fringe starter you can think of. Um, so in that sort of meaning, Wakui coming in sort of fills that sixth starter spot. Um, or maybe fifth, I don't know. depends if you rate him higher than Takahiro Matsuba or not. So um, we had Takahiro Matsuba staying. That's um, that's some news that has come in. So he, he was on a free agency list. He, he declared free agency, but the Dragons re-signed him. Maybe, uh, maybe he didn't quite declare, but anyway. So the Dragons re-signed him anyway. It wasn't too expensive. And um, then obviously the other the other four options we have are uh, Yudai Ono, Shinosuke Ogasawara, uh, Hiroto Takahashi and Yuya Yanagi. So with those six names, that's a, um, a pretty potent rotation. And I think just on paper alone, that looks pretty scary. Um, obviously, you know, Ono and Wakui are a bit older and no, it's a bit, it's getting harder to expect exactly the kind of results we'll get out of both of them as years go by. But um, it's it's a good signing on paper. So the other thing about Wakui, he is the... Uh, a senior to Yuyu Yanagi from Yokohama High School. Uh, they both went to the same high school, obviously many years apart. But I believe Wakui has um, taken Yanagi with him on camps in the past. You know, they, they do their um, individual training in the off-season and they often have little camps with, uh, you know, established pros. And I believe Yanagi had that with Wakui in the past before he became more established himself. And um, this is actually the second time that Yanagi gets to deal with a uh, veteran from his high school because uh, we had, obviously, Daisuke Matsuzaka, who was possibly one of the most famous Yokohama uh, Yokohama high school graduates. Uh, he came over, obviously, for a few years um, and helped out Yanagi in those early years. But, um, yeah, so that's, that's kind of exciting. And one other thing that I've read is, and I'm not sure how much weight you want to put into this, is that Tatsunami has been trying to encourage his players to throw a shuto. You know, that, um, so if it's a right-hander, it's a ball that sort of cut, sort of moves into the, uh, the right-hander. So it's sort of moving into the side that you're, th you're throwing to. Um, so moving in, a right-hander throwing to righty is going to move into a righty, a left, you get the idea. Um, and Wakui can throw a shuto quite effectively. I believe um, there's a couple of other guys in the Dragons team that can throw a shuto, and I believe Yanagi is one of them. But um, it seems to be a pitch that uh, Tatsunami wants the team, the uh, pitching staff to learn. So Wakui has a veteran presence that can sort of be a mentor for these kind of pitchers and players could, um, I guess, be a positive outcome here, particularly if he cannot uh, rekindle uh, his form. But uh, I guess one thing about Pacific League pitchers is that generally when they do leave the Pacific League and come to the Central League, their numbers tend to get a little bit better. I think that's largely due to the lack of a designated hitter. And I guess you could argue that the hitters in the, in the Pacific League are slightly better um, Although that, that that may not necessarily be true, but there was in the past, I think, for that uh, year, those many years where the, the Hawks, um, for example, uh, dominated the Japan series. But um, yeah, so I mean, in the past, guys like uh, Yukinishi, and um, that's, only, that's the only name that comes to mind at the moment, uh, even, I guess, even Matsuba have, uh, have come over and um, done quite well. So I, I guess that's part of it. We can sort of hope that Wakui will do quite well. So on the other side of the coin, we have Abe leaving. Now, in a way, this is kind of surprising because Toshiki Abe has been one of the team's better hitters over the last three or four years. Um, when when uh, Yoda sort of uh, was doing um, those tryouts for second base, it was between Abe and Donoue. I absolutely thought Donoue was going to get it, but I think Donoue sort of dropped off or he got a little bit injured or Abe just sort of established himself or something like that. And um, yeah, Abe's been sort of our regular second baseman ever since. So that was, I think, 2019 season that he sort of got, uh, what is it, um, rusted on, so to speak, as a team regular. Now, the master, as they um, call him, is, um, it's, it's interesting to see how his form, his form this year was not terrible. He hit relatively well. 
He was one of the top RBI leaders within the team. I think one of the top 20 RBI leaders within the league. Um, and he quite frequently was hitting, you know, third in the order or, you know, fifth or, you know, basically the, the middle of the order. So in that sort of sense, where a team that sort of struggles to hit is losing one of their best hitters. And that's a little bit hard to understand, I feel. But um, I guess the, the, the context we need to look for is that Abe is uh, 32, 33 now. Um, he's only getting older. And uh, there's some thoughts that perhaps his usefulness at second base was or his defensive value at second base was dropping, which is why we saw him a little bit at third base. And we even saw Shuhei, who's a natural third baseman, playing at second baseman in his stead. So I think there's a bit of um, uh, weight to that argument that Abe's upside was as, as a third baseman is not as good as his upside as a second baseman. So if we look at sort of the values of these positions, a good third baseman will provide you with significant value. And if we look even within the Dragons team options, you have uh, Takaya Ishikawa, who is the heir apparent, and then you have someone like Shuhei Takahashi, who probably is the backup at that position at this stage. And then you look at Abe himself and think, well, is there really a lot of upside here? Um, he was a good hitting second baseman, but does that hitting then translate into being a good third baseman at the sacrifice of, you know, of uh, Ishikawa's development? Or um, even, you know, is he that much better than, say, uh, Hiroki Fukunaga, who the team have just brought in as a sort of an older aged uh, rookie? So um, I guess these are the sort of calculations that come into mind when we talk about Abe's position. So I, you could make the argument that the team have a bit of a log jam in these two positions. So second base, um, obviously the team drafted a lot of infielders and many of them can play second base and Kaito Muramatsu is one of these who Tatsunami seems to rate very highly. Um, even Mikia Tanaka, who I think will probably be more of a shortstop, can also play very good second base. And then we have guys like Fukunaga who can play second base. And I think there's uh, obviously Hayato Mizuaki and uh, there's Masami Ishigaki as well that can play second base as well. So there's really a lot of options at second without having to worry too much about Abe leaving. Um, again, this is sort of an illusion of depth, I feel, in a way, because there's no one as productive as Abe in those in those second, particularly at second base at the moment. Um unless you, know, you could make the argument for Shuhei Takahashi, but, I mean, he's been injured this year, so it's a bit tricky to say with any certainty. And similarly, at third base, Ishikawa has... He tore his ACL earlier this year, so we don't really know how he's going to come back yet, but it feels as though the team are going to put a lot of faith into his recovery. So with all these sort of things in mind, um, it sort of makes sense from... It, I guess it depends on your perspective, but it makes sense for... Uh, the, t the team to trade Abe. Now, for the Eagles, that gives them a lot more depth at second and third base, where they've had a lot of trouble with production in the last year. Um, Hideto Asamura, who is their, I guess, or at least was their premier slugger at second base, had a bit of a down year last year, and Daichi Suzuki and Egoro Mogi are not, not really giving the kind of value you'd want for a third baseman as well. So if we consider those two positions for the Rakuten Eagles, that's sort of sort of makes sense to go after someone who can push uh, for a, maybe a little bit more uh, value in those positions. So uh, it's kind of, okay, I guess, good for the Eagles to pick up someone like Abe. And I guess the icing on the cake is that Abe is a native of the Tohoku region. He is from Iwate. Uh, I think it's the same prefecture as Shohei Otani. But um, anyway, um, so he's from Iwate, so he'll be closer to his family. So that's a positive for him as well. Um, but essentially, I think uh, the Dragons realize they didn't see a space for Abe um, in their current plans and were looking for some sort of value for that. Now, the news says that the Dragons, uh, or rather it was Ishii, I believe, in an interview, said that uh, the Dragons approached the Eagles for a trade. Now, I'm not sure if it was a trade of, we've got this, what can you give us? Or we want this, what do you want? So in other words, was it the Dragons going after Wakui or was it, we have Abe, what can you give us? So I'm not really sure what the uh, 
the exact negotiations were, but it seems as though the Dragons uh, did approach the Eagles about this trade. Um, so based on that, I, I'm not really sure if there were any other motivations apart from trying to sort of clear up a logjam of sorts, but there could have been some talk on Abe's side about wanting to return home, and maybe they talked to Abe about what his preferred destination would be, and that maybe played into looking for trade partners. Uh, it doesn't often go that well, where you look for a trade partner, you actually find someone that uh, will fit uh, their players, you know, they want your player and they have players you want. Obviously, that's often difficult to find. But um, I, I, if, if that's not the case, then perhaps it's just a happy coincidence that Abe is returning home. Um, so that's that's really good. I, I think it makes sense as a trade. Um, Wakui coming to the Dragons and Abe going to the Eagles doesn't really move the needle a whole lot for either team as far as I'm concerned. But it's a move and it means that the Dragons can focus on playing the younger players. We don't have to worry about, you know, Abe getting his nose bent out of joint because he's not getting played or because rookies are being played ahead of him, that kind of thing. So I think this is really a lot about what Tatsunami is trying to do with the team rather than a slight on Abe's performance or anything like that. So I think that's, that's part of the reason why this trade came about. So... That's that's the Abe Wakui trade. Now I will go into now a little bit more detail about this trade that happened today. So this is apparently, you know, um, a bit surprising, but I guess you know it's good to see sort of scandalous trades. It's not really scandalous, but uh, but yeah, Kyoto going to the Yokohama DNA Bay Stars for Toshiki Sunada. Toshiki Yoshiki. I have only. Not, I don't really know much about it. Yoshiki, sorry. Yoshiki Sanada. So Yoshiki Sanada is a native of Sapporo, so there's no um, particularly ties to the dragons or anything like that, which in a way is an interesting caveat um, to explore, but we won't go into that too much today. But so the dragons have offered up Yoda Kyoda, it seems, and um, they the base stars decided to send them Sanada. So um, on the very surface of this trade um the dragons clear out room at shortstop to use uh, their younger options while they bring in a left-handed reliever which i previously identified before the draft as something they probably need um because they don't have a lot of depth there at the moment so bringing in sonata makes a lot of sense and getting rid of kyoda who doesn't seem to offer a lot at the moment makes sense as well now, to go a bit into a bit more depth on this, I'll firstly go from the Yoda Kyoda side, so or the Dragon side, that is, because that's that's what I do. But um, it seems, obviously, with Kyoda now, um, to just look just at the player himself, he is an excellent defensive shortstop. I don't think there can be any doubt about this. He is very close to Golden Glove caliber. He should probably have two or three Golden Gloves to his name if it weren't for Hayato Sakamoto getting name recognition every year. But um, Kyoda is an excellent shortstop. I think we can say that. However, um, his offensive capabilities have not improved at all since his rookie year. Now, I think in his rookie year, he hit about 265 and stole about 20 bases and was a leadoff hitter and was otherwise a bright light and a pretty um, poorish season. Um, I think it was that year. Well, maybe that was a season we did well offensively. But anyway, so he was he was a very he had a very good breakout rookie year, and um, obviously he succeeded. So what what's basically happened since then is that he's hit two sixty that year, and then every year after that it's just gone down, 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 down. And it's not as though he's improved his power. It's not as though he's improved his base running. He's not. He's actually gone backwards. So he's not hitting for good average. He's not stealing bases anymore. Um, I think, and his, I guess his base running is okay, but um, there's a lot of, I don't know, there's there's not a lot to see in terms of upside with Kyoto's ability right now. If you just want someone who can play defensively well at shortstop, he's a perfectly good acquisition or a perfectly good option. But I think offensively, he's very limited at the moment or at least has not shown any upside 
uh, to that he can be better than this. Whether or not this is coaches interfering with his swing or if it's a confidence thing, I'm not really sure what's going on with him, but he just has not developed in the way that one would hope. He's been with the Dragons for, I think, five years now, or roughly yeah, four or five years, and he just has not really put the pedal, you know, pedal to the metal sort of thing. So from a strictly skilled-based point of view, um, you know, getting any value out of Kyoto in a trade makes sense. Um, as a veteran presence, obviously he's one of the team's, I guess, more recognised uh, stars, or at least was, and having that sort of player Lee, I'm sure, is very shocking for many fans um, of every every team, for that matter. But uh, Kyoto is, as I say, I think also has other issues. Now, this is reading between the lines, but it looks as though he does not have the greatest relationship with Tatsunami. Now, Tatsunami uh, previously pulled Kyoto from a game halfway through because he wasn't happy with what he saw and then sent him to the farm team. So obviously this was a disciplinary action, but we're not really sure ex exactly what the reaction from Kyoto was, uh, or at least not his uh, his true reaction, perhaps. But um, what we can say is that the team, um, I, I, that Tatsunami's rather, is not particularly impressed with Kyoto. So I think this also plays into the re or into part of the reason as to why he was shipped off, because perhaps he's being disruptive, and or rather he's just not maybe not listening to the coaches. Who knows? Who knows? I really don't know what's happening in the background there, but I do believe there is a bit of a personality clash between him and Tatsunami, which I think has also fueled the uh, hope for this kind of deal. I think uh, Kyoto also was a little bit injured this year, which probably didn't help his case. He didn't really have a lot of time on the farm to really um, show that he was improving or was any better. Because, um, you know, it doesn't. If, if you're a star player, then it doesn't matter how much you rub the gaffer up the wrong way. Well, I mean, obviously there's a point, there's a, but you get a lot more um, leeway, so to speak. So I'm sure guys like, um, you know, Yohei Oshima, even if he had strong opinions about Tatsunami, I don't think there's any any likelihood that he'd get traded for that because, you know, he is such an integral part of the team's offense. Um, but anyway, so yeah, so Kyoto has been shipped off, um, basically for these reasons and possibly more. But I guess so if you also look at the depth chart of the Dragons at the moment, the team drafted... Uh, obviously, Mikia Tanaka and uh, Shonosuke Hama. And uh, there's also, in-house, we also have Ryuku, Ryuku Tsuchida, who can already play short. And, um, I mean, in a pinch, we could probably bring in Naomichi Donoe again. Uh, but I wouldn't want to trust a 34-year-old with a shortstop at this present moment in time. But uh, we have probably three sort of okay-ish, well, we don't know what to expect from maybe high-potential shortstops. Yeah, yeah. so, I mean, from what we can tell here is that uh, Tatsunami is going to be leaning really heavy into what we would call unproven talent. Uh, Tsuchida was, I guess, solid towards the back end of last year. Like, he played a few games. He played quite a few games, I think, at the end. And um, didn't provide a lot with a bat, but sort of hit 250, but with like a 500, 500 or 600 OPS. It wasn't a lot. And, um, yeah, I guess there, there's a lot of optimism that the newly drafted players will come in and do a job. Now, that, that that's something you can debate in itself, but uh, I guess from Tatsunami's perspective, that's the way he wants to go. Now, on the, on the base star side of the equation, um, Kyo Oda, I think, again, I, I'm not an expert on the base stars, but I think Kyo Oda at least provides them with a secondary option at shortstop if the Yuito Mori development project doesn't really go according to plan. So if Mori gets injured or is generally just not a nice guy, um, then Kyoto can step in and play shortstop because I think it's uh, was it Yamato who's the other option in-house that probably hasn't been as good. Oh, well, he's getting older too. Um, I don't think he's going to play much shortstop anymore. And then when you have, yeah, you can have Kyoto that can slot in there as a an everyday player, uh, should you need someone like that. 
Um, I guess it also adds a left-handed bat, but I guess Mori is the same. So really you bringing in Kyoda because you want insurance on Mori's development. And um, yeah, I, I think that that's basically that's basically it for the, the base stars. And I mean, Sonata, I don't think was particularly valuable for them. Uh, I don't think losing him is a big... Uh, a big loss for the um, uh, for the Bay Stars. He pitched. Well, let's have a look here. Twelve and a half innings last year for a five point six eight ERA. So I don't think they'll be missing him so much. Um, you know, in terms, if you look at it strictly on you know potential upside between the two players, I think Sonata's not really a great pitcher based on his results recently. But then again, similarly, Kyoto is not a great um, defensive. Uh, sorry, not a great player in his own right. But I guess the um, the upside is probably more. But um, either way, so the, the the dragons probably see something in Sonata that they can fix or um, bring over. But it does seem like almost a lowish return. Um, but he's I think he's a little bit younger than Kyoto, so I don't know. Maybe that comes into it. So. Yeah, that, that's about, about it with the two trades. So I don't think there's anything particularly negative about this for either team. I think Kyoda was moved out simply because he wasn't needed or wanted anymore. And that's partly due to his development and partly due to um, professional relations, shall we say. And I think um, with Abe and Wakui, again, it just sort of, again, doesn't move the needle too much for either team. But... It brings in um, a veteran starter for the Dragons, and Abe gets the opportunity to continue his playing career uh, with the Eagles. So, you know, it's in in absolute traditional NPB fashion. These two trades are very equal, and I don't think there's um, too much to be too concerned about um, in terms of winning or losing either trade. Like, take a bit if Kyoto goes to to um, Yokohama and then suddenly he's a 300 hitter and steals 30 bases every year, then yeah, sure, you can call that a negative. But the fact that he was not showing that sort of potential at all with the Dragons means it's probably the result of a sea change rather than anything the Dragons could have actually done. And um, similarly, if Abe goes on a tear and Wakui is fairly poor, that's not really going to be any big impact on the Dragons. Um, you know, they have probably another three or four starters that can fill in if Wakui does not do well. Um, but the veteran presence and the ability to mentor is not something other pitchers can do. So that's, that's the, I guess, the upside with Wakui. Um, so I don't really see a negative to either of these trades. I'm kind of happy. I personally like seeing um, teams being a little bit more uh, ruthless with moving on established players. And I think previous Dragons regimes have not been very good with this. Tatsunami's gotten rid of three stars, I guess. Um, Ryosuke Hirata was obviously the first to go, but again, someone who's been trending downwards that the team decided they didn't need anymore. And then we have Yota Kyoda and obviously Toshiki Abe. So these three guys who were a big part of the Dragons teams in the last few, few years have all been um, shed um, in this uh, search for a new identity for the team. So this is kind of exciting. Um, obviously, the, the Tatsunami seems pretty happy with the pitching staff because there's not been many big changes there, even through the draft. There weren't any big additions. Akio Moriyama is really is the only pitcher of that was drafted in the first few rounds. And then, oh, sorry, Rea Nakaji as well. Duh. Um, I think the they're still you know pretty happy with what's going on with the pitching. And then on, yeah, it's really just re rebuilding the uh, center line. Uh, so I think if we're, if uh, is going to really be thinking about rebuilding the center line as something for the future, then that this sort of under, this these sort of moves make a bit of sense. So if we're looking for you know two to four players that can fill those two infield spots regularly. And then we'll probably see more of Yuki Okabayashi in center field to sort of, uh, what do you want to strengthen that center line? Because Oshima is probably going to be more of a left fielder in the future. And then, you know, we'll see what happens at catcher, but you never know. We could maybe see more of Kota Ishibashi this year if he's really thinking of the future. But um, I think 
Taka Kinoshita is still only 32 or something like that, so there's a few years left in him. But uh, essentially that's, I think, where the team is at. Um, before we... I, I, I wish I really wish I had someone to talk to on these podcasts, but anyway, I, I will could just while we're here, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about um, sort of what the team, uh, at least the out the position player depth chart looks like. So we have a look at this, and so obviously, what does it look like now? Because I think the team have shed, I think something like fifteen players this off season. Uh, I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm not counting the the players that have come in. But, um, you know, through the trades and through Senryoko guy notices, I think it's about 15 players that the teams have released. So there's a big sort of change. There's a big sort of, you know, we want to move everyone out and get some new guys in. But with all that in mind, let's let's have a look at what the depth chart looks like. So I've made this at five players deep at most positions, just to, um, to give you a bit of an idea of what's going on. So at catcher, um, I still think Kinoshita is probably the number one. Then we have... Kota Ishibashi is probably behind him. And then Shota Ono is probably that sort of, um, what do you want to call it, uh, sort of veteran backup. Uh, Yu Gunji looks likely to sort of do a bit more catching this year, but it's a little bit unsure about what his position will be in the future. And then probably Taisei Mia as the uh, fifth catcher. There is a sixth catcher that we uh, just, just drafted in Ryunosuke Yamasa, but um, I doubt he'll see much time anyway. Uh, first base, um, this is really just Viciato plus a bunch of other guys, but um, it looks like Yuma Fukumoto will probably be a backup there. He played a lot of first base in the uh, farm league this year. Uh, Yuya Gunji has been trained to play a bit of first base recently, and then you get into guys like uh, Pedro Villa and uh, uh, Guillermo Garcia, who could possibly play first. I When I went to see the Dragons in Chatan, Garcia was taking knocks at first, so I think that's what they're preparing him for. I think he sort of played first base. Um, oh, sorry, left field for the Dragons when he first came up. But um, yeah, he's been since demoted to a an XA contract again, um, like Revere. And uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. So, um, but yeah, so those, those guys will, might be brought up a little bit later in the season, depending on what uh, players uh, Tatsunami can bring back from the Dominican Republic. Uh, so at second base, we have uh, probably, probably, Shuhei Takahashi as the starting uh, second baseman, then probably Kaito Muramatsu behind him, or at least on equal footing, and probably then maybe Hayato Mizawaki, uh, the newly drafted Fukunaga, and then Masami Ishigaki sort of rounding out that five. So plenty of depth there at second base. I mean, whether or not you consider that to be reliable depth is another question, and that's going to be similar for a lot of positions. But I think the Dragons see that as a as an area of strength now rather than one of weakness. So this is why Abe would have possibly had very limited options at second base. And I've, something I did forget to mention is that because... Tatsunami wanted Shuhei to play second. They had Abe trained to play left field. So Abe was actually playing left field, so Shuhei could play second, which was interesting. Um, but basically that was that meant that Tatsunami was looking for Shuhei to be the everyday second baseman, as and Abe still in the lineup, but just not in his natural position. So I think... That sort of plays into it as well. As long as Shue is healthy, he will probably be starting in some way or another, uh, can, as, as long as he doesn't stink up the joint. Um, Kaito Muramatsu, obviously, is the someone I think Tatsunami really, really likes. So I think he will be in direct competition with Shuhei for that spot. And then the other three are sort of backups, I think, at this point. And then at shortstop, this is where it's really thin. Um particularly after trading Kyoto. So this is sort of um, interesting in itself, but really only the shortstop options are Ryuka Tsuchida. I've only put him in as the first because that's he's the only one with significant experience there. Um, and that's after, what, 50 games. <laughs> um, then I think it'll be Mikia Tanaka and Shonosuke Hama. So that'll be sort of the three guys I think will be in competition for shortstop. You could argue that... Uh, 
Namichi Donaway could be a um, an option at short, but it's kind of old now, so perhaps not the best option. Um, so yeah, I guess at shortstop there's not a lot of depth there, but there's three players that could probably play there any other day. Hummer, I think, can also play in the outfield as well. But it'll be sort of interesting to see who's going to play shortstop on the farm. Because obviously you need someone to play shortstop on the farm, right? So I can I can see a a situation where let's say Tanaka is your starting day shortstop, and then that means Suchide is playing every day on the farm, or you're training up Hama to get more familiar with shortstop or whatever. So that that sort of you can see that happening. So Suchida, you know. On the farm, developing, 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 and Tanaka's playing every day on in, in, at NPB level, or something like that, or it could be the opposite, whatever. So that's that's something to look for. Um, Hammer could well be one of the you know starting options as well. We'll see what happens out of camp. Hammer is um, probably in the closest to best condition out of the three. Um, Tanaka comments I've heard from other you know other commentators is that he probably needs to put on a little bit of weight. Um, and he has had uh, issues uh, with his health. So it's not uh, necessarily sewn up that Tanaka will be a starting shortstop or anything like that, but Hama could well be. But I don't think Hama's got as good a range. He's just got a good, um, a really good arm. Um, but anyway, so that, that's basically what shortstop looks like. So this will be quite interesting because that really is just blank. There's really no... Um, idea of who will actually end up being the, the opening day shortstop, but I'm going to guess it'll be either Hama or Tanaka. I don't think um, Tsuchida will be there because he'll be, he's a bit younger, but who knows? Who knows? Who's going to impress out of camp? And I think that's kind of going to be one of the fun things to look out for. All right. And at third base, um, again, this is sort of, do we actually have depth? You could say we do, but you could also make the argument we don't. Um, so Taka Ishikawa is probably going to be the starting third baseman, provided he is available. Um, obviously, he did have that injury, but um, he will likely be your third baseman. Then after that, probably Shuhei Takahashi is your best backup. And then Hiroki Fukunaga, probably. With um, Now, I've, I've not seen him play third base, but Yuma Fukumoto has the possible third base option. Again, I've not seen him play there, but that's not to say he hasn't. I may not have just seen it. He's one of the players that's training at Nagoya Stadium at the moment, rather than at Chatan. So I'm not exactly sure what he's what he's been doing there. He might be training at third base. I'm not too sure. Um, and then I guess Donaway could uh, fill in at third base as well. And even um, Masami Ishigaki could play a bit of third. But um, that's, that's that's sort of where I see third base. But all of these options are not established. Ishikawa has been injured. You don't know what he's going to come back with. Shuhei was moved to second to allow for more power in the corner with Ishikawa. So, you know, do you want to move him back to third? But, I mean, I guess you could if you've got Muramatsu, but then you've got lose the punch because Muramatsu, while a good player, doesn't have... Um, I, I don't think he has the same sort of power as Shuhei. So, yeah, and then Fukunaga is a rookie. You know, you, can, you don't know what to expect from a rookie. And Fukumoto, similarly, has not really played with the first team yet. So there's a lot of unprovenness. So this is a, a common thread through shortstop and third base. Um, it's just no one sort of jumping out at you as to be that, you know, with great confidence and say that that guy is going to start. That guy is going to play 120 games next year. You know, it's... Well, they may not anyway, but, you know, that guy's going to play 100 games next year. Like, that that's not very certain, and that's sort of worrying. So this is when I saw Abe leaving. My initial impression was, well, do we actually have the depth? We're trading away one of our best hitters, and we're a team that sucks at hitting. Why are we doing this? I mean, I've as, I say, as I've explained before, there's a bit more of a logic to it. But essentially, you know, it, it didn't make a lot of sense to me at the time. And similarly, if you look at these options at second and third base, you can sort of, or second, short, and third base for that matter, you can sort of see my meaning here is that there, there's a lot of good players with potentially high ceilings, but that's all they are. 
we don't know what their floor is really at this stage. Shuhei is about the only player out of these this lot that we really understand what the floor is. The rest of them, not so much. So this is going to be a really big sink or swim year for the Dragons just based on that alone because there's you're putting a lot of faith in these players, these relatively new players, relatively inexperienced players to make a huge difference for you. Anyway, let's, uh, th that's sort of the two the, the two areas that I really wanted to pick on, that, that sort of middle infield third base area. Um, first base, you could also argue, is pretty weak because Viciato just has not been putting up the numbers you'd expect of a first baseman in the NPB. Um, you could argue he is doing well enough, but I don't think so. Um, well, well, anyway, but we'll, we'll go into the uh, outfield now. So I'm a little bit uncertain as to how this is going to play. We could see... I'm not sure whether the Dragons will start with Orshima in centre again or just go, stuff it, let's just try and create this new centre line and just put in Okabayashi. I think it's very possible that Okabayashi will be the starting centre fielder with Orshima playing there occasionally. And then we probably have Orshima in left and maybe um, Ukai in right or something like that. But for the time being, let's, let's just go based on what last season sort of informed us. So at right field, I think Okabayashi was, you know, was the starting right fielder for most of last year, and he did very well. I think after that's probably Korsuke Ukai. Uh, he can play right field. He's got a relatively strong arm. Um, then probably Kent and Bright. Then possibly Hironori uh, Miyoshi, who's played right field a few times with the, the top team. And then probably Shohei Kato or someone like that after that. I know Goto can play right field, left field, wherever it is as well, but well, something like that. Um, but anyway, so basically, the, your top four, probably Okabayashi, Ukai, Brighton, Miyoshi, I think. Those four guys will probably be the main ones. Um, in centre field, we have Oshima, I think, um, or Okabayashi, you know, take your pick. Uh, Ogoto will probably be one of the main backups there, and then Miyoshi and probably Bright as backups. I think Miyoshi... Miyoshi played a lot of centre on the farm, so there's a chance that he could be an option there. And Kenta Bright's been playing, he played a bit of centre field during the Phoenix League, um, you know, the, the sort of the Arizona Fall League of the of the NPB. Um, so I think there's possibility that he could play centre as well. And then in left field, this is a little bit, it's kind of the same names, just in a different order. But, you know, if we were going to start Oshima and Okabayashi, you could probably start Ukai in left or right, whatever, whatever combination. Um, yeah, so and maybe Osh yeah, Oshima as a left fielder, then Bright, I think Shinosuke Hama, Ryunosuke, Shonosuke, sorry. Shonosuke Hama would probably be an outfield option as well. I think there's possibility he could play right field as well as left field, um, but I'm not too sure what he's like in the outfield. And then probably someone like Korsky Ito. Um, I've essentially just put him here. But most most of these guys can... Guys like Miyoshi, Kato, Bright, and uh, Okabayashi, for example, can play probably all three um, outfield positions relatively well. I've thrown in Ito here because he's just another option that often gets about, forgotten about because he's um, been quite good on the farm at times and deserves a little bit of recognition. So that's, that's sort of how I see the depth at the moment. And obviously that's going to change when um, when and if the Dragons bring in someone from the Dominican Republic. So that would push their... That would probably change, I guess, the left field side of things, unless they can pick up something strange, like a, a power-hitting shortstop. That would be weird. Um, but, yeah, it's kind of... You can, you can sort of almost be complacent with the outfielders as they are. Like you could play Oshima in left, Okabayashi in center, Ukai in, in right, and be happy with that. I could, yeah, I'd be okay with that. Um, again, um, the floor is quite low, but um, that's still a potentially good outfield because we don't really know what Ukai can do yet, but he has um, shown that he can hit for power. So that that's definitely an option. Um, yeah. <laughs> Where do you go? Yeah, and I guess if you, you bring in a, a power hitter to, a foreign power hitter to sort of bring in insurance for that. And, 
God help us if the rumors are true that they're trying to re-sign Zulu Almonte, but um, there's, 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 I guess I'm going to hope that they bring in someone new. Um, obviously, Pedro Rivier could also play in left field, um, theoretically, as well. But yeah, I think that's that's sort of the size of things at the moment. I think on opening day, we'll probably see Kinosta, Viciedo, probably <sighs> Shuhei at seconds. That's probably a bit of a gamble. Um, I'm going to say Hammer at shortstop, and Takayashikawa at third. And we'll have Ukai in right field, Okabayashi in center, Oshimura left. That's my opening day start. Okay, got it. Right. <laughs> I, I it probably won't go that way. It really, de- it's going to really depend on how spring camp goes. It's going to be really competitive this year because there's just so many positions up for grabs. I, I personally think even Kinosta at catcher is not necessarily a guaranteed position because Ishibashi is not that far behind him, in my opinion. And then. You know, second base, shortstop, third base, these could all change very quickly depending on health and form and whatever. You know, uh, Muramatsu, I think Tatsunami really likes. And if Muramatsu looks like he's going to be able to play NPB straight out of university, they're going to play him. Then Shuhei's on the bench. I mean, that, that's fine. Muramatsu, I think, is a righty anyway, so you could, you could play the... You could platoon them, and that would that would be all right. And then, yeah, similarly, Tsuchida and Tanaka. I think I think Tanaka is also a right-handed hitter. In which case, you could have, I think Tsuchida was a lefty. Yeah, I think Tsuchida is a left left-handed hitter. So you could you could switch them. But yeah, I, I don't know. I reckon Hama might be a good chance to start, assuming he can play short at NPB level, which is not necessarily um, guaranteed at this stage. I see. I see him more as a an outfielder, uh, maybe a utility at the best, but we'll, we'll see. See what happens with him. Um, but yeah, uh, that's, I, I personally, yeah, every, basically everything but first base and probably Oshima and Okabayashi. That's, I think, the only positions that are pretty much guaranteed going into camp. So um, we'll be interested to see what actually comes out of it all. Um, there's a lot of good players, um, or. <laughs> There's a lot of players at the same level. <laughs> Whether or not this will be competitive next year is a completely different question. And I think this is also a problem where the Dragons are really leaning into the potential potential upside. But the floor is going to be really low. The only thing that's going to save them is their pitching staff, which is still, I think, one of the best in Japan. But it's not, you know... The hitting, you know, I don't want this to be another 2019 um, where the team was struggled with hitting but somehow got through with their pitching at least a third spot. But if the team can show any sort of proclivity with the bat, then it will, you know, it'll be a good year. And the other thing to note, I guess, with um, whatever central center field pairing you go with, and I think this is where Tsuchida's, this doesn't work in Tsuchida's favor is that they prefer someone who can steal bases. And that's very obvious based on the, the draft picks they've made. So Hama and uh, Tanaka and Muramatsu all steal bases with relatively, um, you know, a relatively high rate of success. So this is why I think these kind of guys would be more likely to start over Tsuchida and Shuhei because they do not offer as much in the running game department so with that in mind, if the if the dragons are trying to squeeze blood out of a stone, then having players that are fast, that can get on base and steal, is going to be one way forward. So I mean you still have to hit them in from second, you know, from second base or whatever, wherever they're standing, but there's what I want to say is a little bit more a bit more of a threat. So Tsuchida is probably glove first, but doesn't have a great base running game and is not really an established hitter at this stage. And then Shuhei is a good, relatively good hitter, defensively pretty solid, but doesn't offer any speed on the bases. Like he's a decent base runner for someone who is not very fast, but he is not very fast, if that makes sense. Um, he's not going to steal bases. So I think this is where the... Um, it's going to change. And I mean, in a way, it's probably good for Tatsunami to have those options because he can then sort of chop and change a little bit with how he wants to operate um, based on, you know, the opposing pitcher. But 
in a way, he doesn't seem to to act that way because he's more looking to, um, you know, want players that can play a full year sort of thing. You want regulars, which, you know, is weird to me. Like, um, my MLB team is the um, the Twins, and there's, like, two players in the lineup that you can consider regulars. Everyone else gets chopped and changed based on the matchups. Um that's perhaps um, exaggerating a little bit, but you know, like even Lewis Ice, who um, won the batting title this year, was heavily shielded from left-handed pitchers. Um, you know, Max Kepler similarly, um, even though he's mostly starting right fielder. And you know, like I'm so used to seeing teams do platooning, at least this year with the Twins, um, and not not so much the Dragons. But it's sort of jarring not not to have that. And I think the Dragons may be well set in their ways that they will try and just stick with the same kind of guys throughout the season. But, um, yeah, particularly, I guess, for the development of hitters, it's it's necessary for them to see both sides of the plate. But we'll, we'll see how that plays out for them. So um, without much further ado, I think I'll put a bit of a pin in it there. I may end up repeating some stuff in my draft previous. And please understand that... Uh, oh, God, the Americans just keep... Flying around, um, yeah. Just keep in mind that, um, that I may be—I I recorded them last week, so there may be some information that obviously has changed since then. But I'm going to put this one up first, um, or I could just re-record. We'll, we'll see what happens. If I re-record, it'll take more time. But um, anyway, we'll we'll just stick with this one for today. So thank you very much for listening. Um, I hope you enjoyed my little breakdown of these two trades. Hopefully. There aren't any more. Well, you know, if there are more, I'll just do another podcast. Okay, um, and yeah, I hope you hope you're enjoying the off season. The stove has been pretty hot. It's been fun to watch, and um, I will talk to you all next time. Ciao.